Before we get into today's game scoop, let's take a moment for a shout out to our sponsor, Squarespace. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create an awesome website, connect with your audience, and sell anything all in one place, all on your terms. With Squarespace, you can easily sell custom merch and create a passive income stream. You design your products, and production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you, saving you time and money. You can sell your products in an online store. Whether you sell physical, digital, or service products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. Use insights to grow your business, learn where your site visits and sales are coming from, and analyze which channels are most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on top keywords or most popular products. Ready to get started? Head over to squarespace.com gamescoop for a free trial. And when it's showtime, use our special promo code gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week is Tina Amini. Hello, everybody. Justin Davis. Scoop. And Sam Claiborne. Whoa! Hey, everybody. <laughs> Just like rehearsal. <laughs> oh, man, it went so well. Uh, during our pre-show, uh, Sam was showing off uh, some new virtual boy games. <laughs> yeah, I love my own creation. Uh, we've got a great show for you this week. Uh, we're going to talk about what's going on with Nintendo. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, Ghost of Tsushima, which we're all playing now. But first. <laughs> what is happening? Oh. My son takes... <laughs> Hold on. My son takes an online music class, by which oh. I mean he, he watches an online oh. music class. And at the beginning of every class, they play this song. Hello. Am I still on camera? Okay. Hello to the listeners. So nice to see you. Hello to the viewers. So nice to see you too. Hello to Tina. So nice to see you. Hello to Lion. Am I glad to see you? Hello to Sam. So nice to see you. Hello to Justin. So glad to see you. Hello, I'm Damon. Am I glad to see you? That was so sweet. (laughs) We call that the first joke. You're going to... Oh, can you compose a new song for every week? I was going to say the we're same gonna, one every week. We're just going to yeah. start every episode with that song now. Yeah. Wow. I mean, once you've that delivered on that, like we, we can't go back. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Does the music teacher do that, but you learned it just from hearing it a bunch? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Good work. Yeah. It's good, some good it's ear like training a, there. He was supposed to actually go in person to his music class, but uh, since the mm-hmm. pandemic started, they're just doing the class online and it's live streamed. And uh, then she like asks questions about what the babies are all doing now and then personalizes the songs to all of them. It's very cute. He loves it. Sweet. <laughs> uh, okay, let's begin with 
What we've been playing, and I think we're all playing Ghost of Tsushima now. Justin, you started it. Seem to have lost. Justin. Yeah, I did start it. I really like it. Um, the art direction in that game. Am I gone? Am I back? Well, now you were just now you're back. Am I here? <laughs> <laughs> um, Is this real life. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm having a few internet troubles today, so bear with me, please. Yeah, I am playing Ghosts. Um, that game is beautiful. My two favorite things are um, are composing the haikus. I think is really good, and um, and I actually really like reflecting in the uh, in the hot springs as well, where it's like, do I want to reflect on my father or my uncle? And it provides my character some motivation to go out and um, chop Mongols' heads off. <laughs> um, it's a very you were saying this last week, Damon. It's a very video gamey game. Um, it's very it's mm-hmm. not really you're exactly right about the last of us it's not really trying to break new ground or do a bunch of crazy new stuff it's just trying to be a fun open world game um feels like a game that was sort of plucked from 2014 and dropped into 2020 but with 2020 like sort of visuals and graphics yeah yeah i think that's accurate uh i think it was kotaku had an article yesterday where uh they showed the haikus that they wrote in their game to a real haiku writer and they were not impressed Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I totally misinterpreted that system, by the way, because I initially thought that if you picked one sentence, it would be it would give you like a totally separate option um, to trickle down towards that effect. And I, I just messed it up mm. and I ended up creating like a random haiku by the end of it where it totally did not track mm. with the system I thought it would be. But it was still lovely by the yeah. end of it, I thought. Yeah, that's um, one of the yeah, times but- where it uses the game engine to like show you something really beautiful that like you just realize like how amazing that open world is when you can see like, oh, they set the time of day, they set the light right, and then it's like this trickling stream of water, and then like the sunset, and then like leaves rustling in the trees. Like those are just like open world shots they're using there that you just chose in real time. It's amazing. That's like one of the best yeah. examples of how detailed that world can be. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I've been playing for like two weeks now. Um, I'm still in I'm still in act one. So I don't know. Like it's it's just a really really big game. Where uh, Tina and Sam, where are you guys? Also still in Act One. Um, The map is huge and it gets bigger apparently. So yeah, there's a lot of game in this game. Yep, I'm in Act Three. Uh, Wow. um, The uh, and I'm like really obsessed with uncovering the map. So I've been doing that a lot, and then I like kind of go through the main quests. But uh, I've been playing so much. Uh, I got this thing recently, <clears throat> which is really frustrating. It's it's a thing that you have to basically chain kills with, and you cannot get hit. So it's like you could you know kill three enemies, and then five minutes later kill four more enemies or whatever, and then it's chained, and then you get to use this ability. But uh, that's like the one thing that like you if you get just a slight interruption from like an arrow off screen or a dog biting you or whatever, it screws it up. And for some reason, it's like all I think about now. And so I'm, I have to like kind of like I'm obsessing over it and I have to and it doesn't even give you that big of a reward. But it's, it's a, something that really changed the way I'm playing recently, which is funny. Also, something that changed the game way, the way I'm playing is I got the kick and the kick allows you to just kick people oh, yeah. comedically off ledges. <laughs> and I love that so much. Yeah, that's the best. It's really good. Uh, are there a total of three acts or are there more? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like acts. Castlevania. It's like you go do, 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 do. And then there's the boss and then there's the next castle and yeah. the next castle. And then are the acts all of about or similar length? Does it seem like? Yeah. And they're similar area sizes too. The second man, when you get just to the second one, like I, I was like, I'll take some time and see like, how different can they make these maps? Cause there's the first one's really varied. You know, there's just a lot of environments and, and beauty to be had. Yeah. And I just rode across it and it took me 30 minutes. The second wow. part. That's awesome. It's crazy. Yeah. It's really, really cool just to go out and explore. Yeah. I love it. It's, you know, it, I, like I said, I'm, uh, even though I've been playing for two weeks, I'm still in Act One, uh, but it might end up being my favorite game of the year so far. So now wow. in my mind, I'm having I'm having a, a, the conversation of uh, comparing it to the last great open world game that I played, which is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And I'm like, well, I, don't, I mm-hmm. actually don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know which one I like better right now. Uh, I think uh, Assassin, they both have really, really beautiful worlds. I liked um, how you're traveling the uh, seas and going to different islands on Assassin's Creed Odyssey and the stealth mechanics are much more involved. So I don't know. We'll see how it shakes out there. But then the other game I keep comparing it to in my mind is Breath of the Wild because I really wish Ghost of Tsushima had a, like a hang glider. Yeah. 
uh, tool. So many times I get up high. Yeah, I just I get up high in a mountain and I want to just like jump off and glide to, you know, the ground. Instead, you have to find ledges to fall onto. Um, One way you can compare these and and make your decision is it's really just beaches versus hot springs. All right. Mm. So you just got to make that call. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I I do think that fall. I think the fall damage is too is ridiculous in this game. Like I fall, yeah. I feel like it's too uh, too. Uh, I don't know what it, it should be. I should be able to fall from a greater height without taking that much damage. I think you can because it's a video a game. Skill. There's a skill oh, you can get. Um, yeah, there's a skill you can get where you just hit circle right before you land and you roll, so oh, okay. you take the brunt of the damage that way. Um, there okay. are some heights well, you still can't do, but but yeah, I suppose they didn't yeah. want it to be too comedic. Yeah, there's like I'm there's anti-fall puzzle damage. Right Me too. Me too, yeah, Justin. Sure. Anti-fall damage. Yeah, that's there's no fall damage in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, so it's got that on. Ghost well, there you go. There is. That's that's also a skill you had to upgrade in Odyssey. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I've also been playing uh, an awesome new retro uh, 2D action game called Panzer Paladin. I've been playing it on Switch. It's out now on Switch and PC. It's awesome. There's a little bit of a Fake box art. Oh, cool! It's in like a big. It's in like a big like oh. VHS case. I don't know. Maybe the Neo Geo yeah. cartridges were like this. This really thick. That's neat. Yeah, uh, yeah. This, it's like the clamshell at Neo Geo. Mm-hmm. This game is awesome. It's from Tribute Games, uh, folks that did Mercenary Kings, Wiz Orb, Curses and Chaos, mm-hmm. uh, Flint Hook. But I think this is their best game yet. It's um got mix. It's a mix of Mega Man and Blaster Master. So there, you can select any level you want to go to. Uh, to travel around the world and it's themed for like a Japan level and a Mexico level and a Russia level. And it's got, Oh, and then you're in a, a big mech. You're a lo- tiny little Android uh, robot and you drive a big mech and you can hop out and you're really little and move about the world. That's the blaster master part. And it has a really cool weapon mechanic where your default weapon is just your fists, but you can, you pick up uh, weapons that are randomly dropped by enemies, swords, maces, clubs, uh, javelins, things like that. But they, they all have a durability system, kind of like Breath of the Wild. They're all going to break eventually. So you kind of you have to like that's another uh, sort of game you're playing in your mind of do you want to use your really high damage weapon, even though it's going to be you know losing durability and you're not going to be able to use it forever. But then also this, each weapon has a spell it can cast anytime, which will destroy the weapon, and then the spell might heal you. It might increase your damage. It might increase your defense. It's like that's another thing to consider too. And you're all you you, you end up just you can carry an unlimited amount of weapons, so you end up just having this huge store of weapons. Uh, and then when you're going into a boss fight, you have to think, man, I, I, do I want to use my good weapons on the boss or do I want to save them? Anyway, the game is called pa- Panzer Paladin, and it is a super damage game, and I highly recommend it. Oh, I love yeah, unlimited inventory. And I wanted to mention yeah. one thing there is that Damon Sorry. will text me game help and he'll be like, hey, you know, what, what do I do to beat these bosses in this game? He just was doing this for Ghost of Tsushima. And so then yeah. I was like, hey, Damon in Bloodstained, how do you hit these candles that are really high up? He's like, I've moved on to a different game. That's it. That's it. That's what I got. <laughs> That's, That's a solution, what I got in technically. <laughs> I started cancer. <laughs> then I. <laughs> I'll get back to blood. Well, I still don't know how to get those candles, so great. And I'm really far in that game now. The girl can jump high. She can't. She can't reach the candles. No, I just fought a uh, Triceratops mummy. It was like a. That's it was cool. like a sarcophagus that looks like it's a griffin, but it's a mummy. And then when you kill the sarcophagus head, uh, uh, it's a Triceratops under it. Of course, it was amazing. All in pixel art. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And it's really one of the best designed like things. It's just straight out of, you know, s- bizarro world Mega Man. Uh, Justin, are you playing any- anything else besides Ghost of Tsushima? Yeah, I am. And, and in regards to Panzer Paladin, IGN Seth Macy reviewed it and gave it an eight. Said it's great. So Seth completely agrees with you. Um, no, I also wanted to shout out. I Against my better judgment, I uh, downloaded and reinstalled um, Lord of the Rings online. And am, wow. <laughs> I don't I don't have absolutely any room or time in my life for an MMO, but um, and yet here we are. Um, I have a real soft spot in my heart for that game. And by 2020 standards, it's like it's not the best MMO on the market. It's like very old. That game is uh, almost 15 years old, but um, but I love it. And that game has a lot of heart. And I am running around the Shire delivering pies to all the hobbits. Are you a dwarf? Pies. Or a hobbit? Uh, I'm a hobbit. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a Hobbit guardian, and um, it turns out <laughs> I, I know this might be I know this might be shocking to you, but there are uh, goblins encroaching on the edges of the Shire, so um, mm. you know it's important that I get in there and help them out. Yeah, for sure. Well, in Fellowship of the Ring, there are strange things that the hobbits keep hearing about. And then, of course, the strangest ones are the, the Black Riders. But they do have a system of guards. So that is based in the book. There's a there's a system of uh, of hobbit uh, guardians that, uh, yeah. that circle the Shire. But, of course, the rangers are really protecting them. They're, they're not doing anything. <laughs> the men of Numenor. I can keep going. Yeah, no. That's okay. <laughs> no, I'm a I am a the hobbit guards are called bounders and I am a bounder. Nice. Cool. That's so cool. What's like the, the what's the player base for Lord of the Rings Online these days? Uh, nobody, nobody at so all. Just just you, <laughs> four or five. No, I mean you know it's like all these old games where like they have their sort of very core group of like whatever ten or fifteen thousand people that they cater to them, and like yeah. the game is still going, like it's still releasing expansions and stuff, but it's not like mm-hmm. that game's glory days are over for sure. But sure. Um, mm-hmm. I really love it, and I think that game has a lot of heart, and um, it's free to play, so you don't need to worry about a subscription fee. So it's like. You can pop in once a week if you want. And like, I, that's, that's what I'm, I can't, I don't, I don't know how it came to this Damon, but, um, but this is well, what I've been playing this week. I was thinking Thanks. the other day, I I hope that someday there's an, an easy way to play. Well, I mean, maybe there is now, maybe it's good old games, an easy way to play all these old, uh, computer games that i missed growing up especially during the 90s because i used to go to like electronics boutique and babbage's and i didn't have a we never had a computer growing up but i would look at the computer games and like flip the boxes over and look at the screenshots so i was like i I felt like i knew a lot about uh you know uh police story and king's quest and leisure suit larry and the lucas arts uh, point and click adventures even though i never got to play them so it'd be cool to like have an easy way to play all that stuff now but now that i'm like actually saying it out loud maybe good old games is just that yeah 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 mmos are the exclusion i forget which one it was um that famously shut down a few years ago um but there's always like really sweet ceremonies of the players who are still Mm. super committed to them that end up sticking around and celebrating the last few days off so those are the ones that you clearly need to play with with justin now damon to get that experience before it's gone forever (laughs) yeah and sometimes they turn over the keys to fans to like run their own servers and stuff but they just don't officially support them anymore right or sometimes people just resurrect them on their own it seems very very difficult Okay, uh, let's move on. Uh, we got an email this week, uh, which I think is a pretty good topic. It's Jared from Kansas City. And he says, with NextGen nice. rapidly approaching, I wanted to ask you about the company who, as of now, doesn't have major hardware launching this fall, Nintendo. The Switch has undoubtedly been a runaway success, and I personally have loved mine, despite its shortcomings. But is there any part of you that wonders if, if Nintendo is going to fall too far behind? I'm not just referring to graphical fidelity, but certainly you can't ignore that. Will the Switch's success continue even as more and more people transition over to PS5 and Series X? Or can Nintendo maintain its position on a few huge first-party games each year, indie support, and lots of ports? I found Nintendo's communication and overall offerings in 2020 to be very disappointing, and this week's mini-direct sort of made me think about where they stand as we're now well over the halfway mark of the year. I say this as someone who loves Nintendo and wants them to continue to succeed, but they are a frustrating company to root for sometimes. Look into your crystal ball. Is Nintendo still a massive success in two, three years from now, and why? That's a really good point. Um, Every time I've talked to uh, Reggie, former uh, North American president of Nintendo, um, it's always been, their philosophy has always been to stand apart from the competition. I think that they don't really view themselves as on a Congress level as like Sony and Microsoft do on a, on a versus perspective. Um, obviously like the community will pit them against them regardless. You know, we as critics will also to a degree. Uh, but I think the point that, you know, we're well into the year and we haven't seen a lot of communication from them is a valid one. But then I also think about the fact that the pandemic threw so much off course um, and it's been more difficult for some people to pick back up on, okay, what are we doing now as far as like work from home goes? Are we revisiting some of our marketing strategies because everybody's from home? Um, Nintendo's a really like traditional company in a lot of ways, despite the fact that they experiment a lot and that's why the Switch exists and why it's such a success. But I don't see like, you know, two to three years from now being the thing that uh, puts a nail in the coffin for them. I mean, their success will give them enough of a uh, runway and and a roadmap to work off of. Um, but 
their success will come from their unique perspectives and trying to play a different game rather than doing the whole like uh, graphics versus like what what graphics look like on PS or going to look like on PS5 and Xbox Series X. So that's not been something that they really care to be competitive with. They just want to make unique experiences on a unique piece of hardware that breaks into the mainstream in a way that Sony and Microsoft are thinking about, but you know maybe not on the same strategy as Nintendo is doing. So they're just playing a totally different game than they are. Yeah. I would say, if anything, I, I would be worried about the next-gen consoles. I mean, everybody just bought a Switch when they could, and they still are in such high demand that, you know, why would you want to play something on another system this fall? Well, I mean, there's the draw of graphics, and there's the draw of, of game series that you're interested in, but the Switch is such a good library, and people are a lot of people are just getting into it after buying it for Animal Crossing. Like, the install base just swelled for the Switch. Like, there's a, you know, Nintendo is going to announce games for this fall. They're going to have games this fall. So that's well, a, that's something to consider. <laughs> yeah, they will. But they also don't have to in a lot of ways because they have Pokemon and they have Animal Crossing and then they have these other games which they can kind of like squeeze in the cracks. Like I think Paper Mario is a game that a lot of people are going to go for after Animal Crossing. It's cute. It's neat. It's, it's, it's super accessible for an RPG. It has Mario in it. They're pushing it hard. Like there's, it, it's an interesting time for them where they... If they have to, you know, rest on their laurels a little bit, they can do that. Yeah. Not fun for just, us because we just want to play a bunch of new games. Yeah. We've been playing all those games. But for for a general audience that, that's new to that system, they you know could totally focus on that audience for right now. Yeah, I just think it's really strange. The E3 window came and went and Nintendo mm-hmm. made, uh, you know, no new announcements reveals. And now we find ourselves in a position now that Paper Mario is out. There is there is no release dates on the horizon for nintendo it's like we we, we don't have any idea when the next when the next nintendo published game will arrive and yeah. i can't remember a time mm-hmm. when when that when we were in that situation oh it's, it's those real... dark ages around the gamecube i'm sure <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a uh, you know nintendo's a real feast or famine company you know they're not an easy company yeah. to be a fan of sometimes um you know the switch is obviously reached these crazy heights it's an overwhelming worldwide phenomena um but that's following the wii u which was one of the most disastrous consoles ever that any any company has ever made um and they were able to bounce back with that with the switch but like if you were a nintendo fan in 2016 before the switch came out like it was really really dicey territory for that company to be and it was a really you know like it wasn't we only through the benefit of hindsight do we now know that um that you know uh the switch was obviously the right move for nintendo to make but like Mm -hmm. that console could have bombed right so um they're really reliant on their innovation and um and i think as long you know they have another two or three years of the switch riding high and being a huge success and a worldwide phenomena and then they live or die by whatever their next thing is yeah yeah, I also wanted to point out too, there are no other portable systems right now. There's your phones, and they've clearly found a, a way to reach people that's not phone games that has like hardcore games and games that require controllers and stuff like that uh, for that you can hold on your couch. And that is more mm-hmm. important than ever. Like your parents are, might be watching TV all the time and your family's on television and you have, you have a switch. Like it's such a good time for the switch to exist. But yeah, we should know about a bunch more games. That'd be great. Um. You know, I, I think like I was absolutely shocked when the Wii sold, um, you know, 100 million units. And I guess they did follow it up with the Wii U, like they continued that branding, but they didn't. It wasn't like a Wii 2. It wasn't a continuation of that console. It was another new thing and a new vision for video games. And um, I couldn't believe that they didn't double down on motion controls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's similar to how I feel about the Switch, where like the conventional wisdom is this is the future of Nintendo, right? They're going to make these home console portable hybrids, like portables are where Nintendo likes to be, but like maybe not like that company seems to have a willingness to just throw out the game boy and the DS and, you know, motion controls and be like, no, 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 we're doing this now. Um, like no other company, no other company would not have the Game Boy line continuing or some two screen mm-hmm. handheld line continuing. Like they, they'd continue milking that stuff till the end of time. Yeah. Sam, you think one year, one year from today, you think we're still going to be playing on our, our current models of switch? Meaning there is, there hasn't been enough, like a switch pro model one year from today. Yeah. 
Yeah, because yeah. I think the light was really recent, and that was you know it, that exists for Pokemon, and then suddenly it, it it existed for Animal Crossing, and that's the biggest game of this year. It just is like uh, there's nothing bigger, and so so many people have those systems that like it's like it'd be a weird thing to make them buy new systems right now. It's like, this is the absolute like life of the system. We're right in the middle of it. I think. Hmm. And I don't think we need like new graphics or anything like that. Lighter would be nice. Hmm. A lighter system. First sales either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. Before we move on to our next topic, I just want to acknowledge, I know we're having video uh, difficulties this episode. Apologies for that. The audio seems to be fine. Uh, so if you are, if you, if you usually watch the show on YouTube or on IGN, uh, you, and, uh, one option is to always uh, just listen to the audio version. This week, we're available in every podcast service. Mm-hmm. You can just uh, close your on. eyes too. Yeah, <laughs> you can also just close your eyes. Um, okay, uh, I'm going to bring up a, an interesting list. Nintendo Life, which is a, a site I enjoy very much covering Nintendo. They ranked every Virtual Boy game. Uh, and I particularly wanted to get Sam's thoughts on these. Sam, did you actually take a look at this list? Yeah. No, I didn't, but I have the stack. You got, wait, you have this all the, the games? Oh, yeah, they're right here. Like- so you have these, and then this is uh, a couple of the boxes of ones that I don't have in the stack here. What I don't have here is Nestor's Funky Bowling. Because that's at work, and it's sealed. That was at work. And I've, I've never had it. <laughs> Would you agree that so I, their I number one pick was? I've ranked mine though. I've ranked my list. Wait, wait, did you stack them in in your ranking order? Yeah, yeah, but I can just that do the top good. five or whatever. What'd you put on top? Should I go first or no? Okay, I'm gonna go first. Well, we can compare. Wario Land. Yeah, what'd you put? Yep, yep. Wario Land. That's what they picked. Great, yep. great side-scrolling platformer. Shouldn't be locked behind the Virtual Boy. Second is Mario Clash, which is a remake of of Mario Brothers, the arcade game in 3D. What they pick? Mario Clash is not in their top eleven. Wow! Wow! And then I picked Red Alarm, which is a uh, Star Fox like with like cool vector looking graphics, uh, mm-hmm. uh, like wireframes. And then Red I'm going to really diverge from the list now. That's their four. Uh, now I'm going to go yeah. with Waterworld because it's really stupid and it's based on the Kevin Costner movie Waterworld. And it's really, really funny. It's about circling. Uh, is you have like a circle of ships you defend, and it's just like an arcade game. Don't know why it exists. That was, I think it's very funny. That was the that was at the very bottom of their list. <laughs> okay, it should be either number one or three. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I put up Galactic Pinball, uh, which is a it it's self explanatory. You what Sam, I missed? That's surprising. Sam picking a video pinball game. <laughs> uh, just their top, their top eleven was uh, Wario Land, Tetris, 3D Tetris, yeah. and Do you Jack need to Brothers. Play that on your face? Yeah, I have Jack Brothers here. That one, that's, you know, that's a Shin Megami right? Tensei game. Yeah, it's uh, from it the Persona from universe. At- Those are Persona characters. It is. Isn't that weird? It is from Atlas Persona yeah. Virtual Boy. Yep. Then Red Alarm. Then Space Squash. Yeah, Space Squash. Yep, of course. Panic Bomber, which is a Bomberman game. Uh, it's not a Bomberman game. Or, it is. This is a cute one. It's a. Uh, it's a uh, like a Tetris attack kind of like puzzly game with Bomberman in it. Gotcha. Uh, then Vertical Force, which is a shooter. Yep. Great. Uh, Galactic Pinball, Mario's Tennis, Nestor's Funky Bowling, and then Virtual Bowling. There were two bowling games for the Virtual yeah. Bowl. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> yep. When I was in Japan, the Japan, library is bowling games. Yeah, yeah. there's only yeah, like exactly. 24 when I was games. It was like Black Bass or something. I would love to play virtual fishing uh, on my virtual boy, but it's only in Japanese, the one I have. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meats and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Your tasty proteins are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you're ready. Choose from over 70 high-quality cuts, 100% grass-fed ribeyes, USDA prime filet mignon, free-range and organic chicken breasts, pork tenderloin, and thick-cut bacon, just to name a few. They also offer sustainable and wild-caught seafood, salmon, Pacific cod, scallops, shrimp, and more. My recent Good Chop box included a couple delicious, boneless, 10-ounce ribeye steaks, 
I also got some Alaskan sockeye salmon fillets that I baked in foil with lemon juice, garlic cloves, and a little parsley. And then there was the thick cut bacon that I've been baking up for breakfast with my eggs. Saving me trips to the grocery store or butcher means I have more time for important things like spending time with my family and, of course, playing video games. Go to goodchop.com gamescoop120 and use code gamescoop120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code gamescoop120 at goodchop.com gamescoop120 for $120 off. goodchop.com gamescoop120, code gamescoop120. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Okay, let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Listeners, remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Lewis did. And Lewis says, I've been gaming for 24 years now, and I had never played a brawler-style game. After you spoke about Streets of Rage 4, showed some gameplay on a previous episode, I really dig the art style, decided to give the game a try. I played through the whole game and co-op with my girlfriend and thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. I was just wondering if you could offer any suggestions for other good brawler-style games. I own a PS4, Xbox One X, and a Switch. Uh, so mm. I would say, first off, uh, maybe get yourself the Sega Genesis Classics Collection. Oh, that's includes, a good suggestion. includes all three original Streets of Rage games, which are all great, mm-hmm. and all three Golden Axe games, uh, which, is, uh, which are also brawlers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't take a lot of effort or uh, thinking. You yeah. just brawl. You um, walk right say- and brawl. If you're going to go with a contemporary, there's only one, and that's Castle Crashers. I think it's like the perfect brawler. I don't know if anything's ever going to get more interesting than that one. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's hard to even think of that as a contemporary game anymore because it's like 15, I know. It's 10 13 years old. Years old or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah more. I would, I would add um, River City Girls onto the pile. Um, mm-hmm. It's made by Way Forward. You know, really, really good. I, I mean, I guess I presume that it's in the River City Ransom universe based off the name, or maybe it's just an homage. But you know, yeah. way forward, it's a really, really good track record with this sort of thing, and um, uh, that's that's one that you should consider too. For sure. There's also the Capcom Beat 'Em Up Bundle that includes Final Fight, Captain Commando, King of Dragons, Knights of the Round, and Warriors of Fate, as well as two games that were previously unavailable on consoles: Armored Warriors and Battle Circuit. And those are all Capcom brawlers. Cool. Uh, a super big brawler fa- person. Not that I'm not a fan of them, just they don't, you know, happen to be the thing that I seek out the most. But Shank was always super enjoyable. Oh, Shank's good, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about one. that one. That's I a really like good suggestion. Style, yeah. yeah. That's from, mm-hmm. love that from one. It is, it is kind of forgettable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, a, there's an era of brawlers, which is really fun and goofy and like it's better in the arcade. But if you want to like dig into like the best era, it's these ones, the giant sprites that were mainly made by Konami. You have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game, uh, the Simpsons game, super cool. And then uh, the Capcom stuff like X-Men. And then uh, I think there's a, there's a, a few others in the, the Marvel series, but there's like really cool of that era brawlers that are just gorgeous. And they're just, they were only attracting people to their games in the arcades. Uh, because they looked really good. Like they were like graphical powerhouses at the time. And that's why people played them it's in, and the licenses. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. The alien brawler is in that same category where was, yeah. as far exactly. as I know, I don't, I don't, Damon, did, did it ever come home in any sort of official release? I've only ever played it in like an yeah. unofficial way. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, it, I don't, it's I don't... incredible. It's really good. Yeah, the aliens one. I'm glad you mentioned it. That's a good one, and I don't think it actually has ever uh, come home. Uh, along the same vein, is, there's a, a Punisher arcade game from Capcom. Oh yeah, it's also really good and a little bit 
surprising and how how violent it actually is which is true to the character but like for a arcade game that anyone can walk up and play it's like whoa okay that's cool <laughs> that's what they had also, to put in uh, um, little ratings warnings yeah i want to give a special shout out to the yakuza games um mm. they are stealth brawlers in disguise uh they get a lot of uh, press deservedly for how crazy and over the top they are and how operatic the main story is and all the crazy side quests and you know you can bowl and you can run a club but like the core gameplay is like a really really competent well-made brawler with like interesting combos and lots of different stances and um really fluid and how you can pick up things in your environment and beat somebody down with a bike (laughs) or vending machine um Mm -hmm. they're really great and there's you know there's a lot of them by now so um it's never too late to get into that franchise yeah, I I have been told many times that I would like those games. I just never have gotten around to playing them. Start with zero. Um, that's a remake. Is that it's, is zero actually a remake? No, it's a prequel, but it's one okay. of the few like you know. Sometimes people try to make prequels, and then everyone says, "Well, don't actually start with the prequel. Start with one, and then go back and play the prequel." But it's like one of the rare exceptions where you actually should play the prequel first, and then it gives you additional context and the emotional beats in one actually pay off better, which is a really rare, hard thing to do. Got it. Tina, what were you going to say? Um, to the topic of like licensed brawlers uh, and also mm. contemporary as far as I remember, but I never played it personally, but people talked about the Scott Pilgrim. Um, mm. Oh yeah. Quite fondly. Yeah. If you guys played that one. Yeah. yeah it, um, it, it references old brawlers in that way. Like that's the point of that game. It's supposed to be like a cool nineties brawler, which is a good way to go. But I don't think it's possible to to like purchase it anymore. Oh, is that yeah. something that got removed from stores or something like that? I think that? it was del- delisted. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and then there was talk of like bringing it back. That's why I remembered it more recently. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one more recommendation I would make: one of my favorite balls of all time is Double Dragon Two, and you can play that on Nintendo Switch Online. Just subscribe hmm. there. That one. We didn't great. mention Final Fight. I don't know if those games hold up, but they're pretty funny. I did mention Final Fight because it's part of the Capcom. Oh yeah, part of the collection. Bundle. Sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah. First in there. It's very fun. That one's really good. Oh my car. Car. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on. This is Chris, and he says, "I've been in the army for 13 years now, and I enjoy gaming in my off time. I often keep this to myself since I work with Type A alpha males who went outside as kids." Do you ever run into judgmental adults who view your hobby as less than? How do you explain your hobby and the value of games to an adult who sees it as something for kids or nerds? Who would like to start? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I feel like that attitude was like, it feels like it's a decade outdated or more at this point. Like the only people like... I'm I'm in my mid 30s, and you know people in their 30s and 40s. I don't. I did. I wasn't aware that that attitude still existed. I thought all those people grew up with games and then have you know varying degrees of relationships with games into adulthood. Um, and it's really only the generation above me who's now you know old, like they're getting really old, that didn't really understand that like oh, oh games are something for adults, and it's not just kids in their parents' basement playing anymore. Like. I thought that that attitude was kind of dying out, but, um, you know, maybe in a military context or certain, um, certain, you know, industries or fields that attract a certain kind of person, maybe it's still more prevalent. I think, um, from a personal perspective, since the question is obviously a personal one, um, it was, it's for me, it's more about it being a line of work, like part of my career. And a lot mm-hmm. of people looking at it as like, Oh, well, that's not a real job because they just assume it's of the level of like a QA job where you just play games all day and give feedback or something. Mm. Um, not realizing that there's actually a lot of uh, sitting at a desk and, you know, writing and editing and, and going through a bunch of other processes. So I've definitely had to kind of rationalize to people at dinner parties um, what my job is uh, and that there is some validity and maturity involved in it. Um, and you know, they, they, a lot of people have kids, their kids play Minecraft or something else. So their familiarity is limited to specific games. And so I have to kind of remind them that there's a whole wealth of games and creativity there. And I always try to relate it back as like, it's just another entertainment property when you think about Mm -hmm. it. So you go to the movies, you spend money on movies. It's uh, movies are a billion dollar industry as are games. Um, some like, I think one of the, what was it? GTA five 
was like the the entertainment property that yeah. made the most amount of money at some point of time that they yeah, recorded ever. it. Yeah. Ever, mm-hmm. exactly. So, uh, and that was like a recent bit of news. So that's the kind of thing that validates that experience where, like, I'm not a big sports fan, but uh, when I look at how stadiums get filled up and tickets get sold out and people follow sports uh, athletes' careers and whatnot, and there's business propositions around that, like licenses and whatever else that people go through, it's an entire functioning industry. So while it may not resonate with me personally, I respect the fact that it's an entire, like, uh, organization with fans who do, uh, who it does resonate with. So I think there are other industries where that could be relatable. Um, and just games is just always kind of been associated with that's what my children do. Or like, that's that thing that makes a lot of money that no one can explain and occasionally shows up on your like local news network because, you know, King or whatever back in the day, you know, make made impressive stock numbers. And that's the touch point where, people who aren't closely associated with games start to feel like there's a relevance to it. Like even for my own parents, um, I think they fi- it finally clicked for them when I appeared on like NBC one time uh, as, as like a guest panelist. And I was just alongside news anchors and like, oh, wow, it's, it's important enough to be on local news. Like they got calls from their friends that were like, I see your daughter on TV right now, coincidentally, because it's something that they engage with on a regular basis. So that for them gives them that validation when it shows up in their usual uh, networks and feeds. Sam, what do you think? I th- um. I uh, was going to mention that th- th- something that Tina brought up uh, that, you know, it- it's always surprising to think about our careers and like what we do. And there's this great book by Bud Schulberg called what makes Sammy run. It's about uh, a journalist at a, uh, that, that that's trying to get ahead at his job. And he's, he's awful. He's an awful person, but he, 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 he pitches covering radio in like 19, you know, the 1920s and thirties. And like, it's like everybody, like everybody's like, that's insane. Like you're going to write about radio. And then it turns out that it's like the most popular column in the paper. And by the end of the book, like everybody has a column about radio. Like I, I think about that because like when we were reading Nintendo power and stuff, you know, in magazines, like that was, you know, in, in industry to cover games, but boy, it wasn't until 2005 onwards where like it became an industry and we were all part of that. And uh, there's this era in which I was reading Kotaku a lot and joystick a lot and IGN a lot. And I really liked how people started covering, especially Kotaku started co- covering the culture of games and kind of fleshing that out as like, Hey, th- there's, there's people that enjoy these games and this is what they're like, or these people that make these games and this is what they're like. And they're all, they were all adults, you know, like by that point, yeah. like everybody had grown up with it and were adults. And like at that, there was a line in the sand there for me reading and thinking about games and, uh, and, and in like 2010, 2000, you know, 13 or so about like how this is an adult industry. And I haven't ever thought about it since then, but now that I do think about it, I think they are for babies and you guys (laughs) are just really, really silly. And this show is like super stupid and I can't believe I'm here right now. (laughs) Um, Tina and Sam both touched on something of like, you know, games breaking through to like more traditional media as being a sign of like legitimacy. Like when it's on the evening news, or I always think of the example of like, Esports uh, as an industry has a lot of anxiety about being on ESPN or like comparing themselves. Like more people watch League of Legends World Championship than watch the NHL or like, you know, whatever the comparison is. And in my mind, that's always been the wrong. I'm like, let ESPN or let these old school outlets be a decade too late. Like let them take that long to catch on. Like you're building the new ESPN. Like, it already exists on Twitch and, you know, hopefully on IGN and on these other esports outlets. Like you can let like the old school mainstream media take, you know, decades or really, really long time to figure out that gaming is some $10 billion industry. And like, it doesn't need to be on the evening news. Like we're moving on without them. Um, so yeah. it, it, I used to have that same attitude of like, why aren't games taken more seriously and like, you know, treated in the same way that movies and music are. But now I have a little bit of a different attitude where I'm like, you know, they're going to figure it out eventually. And, um, and, uh, you know, we'll already have been here this whole time. Yeah. I think the other thing that's really unique about games, um, is that there's so much research that goes into it, so much technology, um, that's on, on the cutting edge. Uh, so I think there are other ways to relate to Mm -hmm. people because it's, it's not just, 
the person on the couch sitting and playing the game, there's so much more to it that you can kind of emphasize to get people to find something that's interesting about it. Um, my brother's a hacker, for instance, and he actually like genuinely keeps up with video game news because he's so fascinated by some of the technology that they use. So for him, um, you know, we grew up all of us playing games, so there's a little bit of a cheat there. But for him, like the way that he still keeps tabs on the industry is he doesn't really play games anymore. Um, he now has a PS4 Pro in his apartment, thanks to yours truly. Um, uh, but outside of that, like he would have no game systems anymore, even though he used to. So now it's just that he keeps up with the trade um, in in that sense. Uh, and then I think, you know, if if somebody's like just talking about Assassin's Creed Origins recently, just uh, before and the other topic that we were talking about, like there's a lot of history that goes into that. There's a lot that it can actually be instructional to people. Um, I believe they used it in some classrooms uh, and that there was some there was like a museum uh, mode that they were using to actually let people explore the area. So there's there's like an educational value to it. Um, there's artistic value to it. Like I was uh, playing Ghost of Tsushima and uh, The Last of Us 2 uh, with my other brother uh, and his wife was watching me play and she was like, wow, it looks like a movie. So it'd been so long since she as yeah. a kid like sat down and kind of goofed around with games and then long lost <laughs> that interest. So seeing the modern version of it, she's just really impressed by its artistic value. The fact that there are uh, well-known celebrities that are playing in it. You know, she likes celebrity culture a little bit. So that's the thing that resonates with her. So I'll tell her like, did you know Giancarlo Esposito is going to be playing in, in this like big video game uh, mm -hmm. from a company? And like, you know, I can't go into too much detail to get her enticed by the conversation, but that alone is enough to kind of give her a, an idea of like something where it's like, okay, you might not be interested in sitting down and playing a game, but clearly you're interested in the character performances. Clearly you're interested in the celebrity of it. So there, there's always going to be an element element of whatever your interest is or whatever your profession is, there's something that can appeal to you at a dinner party conversation about it. Mm -hmm. And there's always going to be circles of people, you know, that don't care and are, you, you know, them on a different level, but there's also going to be communities that you can build uh, online, even though I make fun of MMOs, that's what they're great at. And there, and there's communities you can build uh, with, you know, people like listening to shows like this. I listen to a lot of shows like this and really, really relate to the people I, I hear and talk to. And I, then I know like, oh, there's people out there that think like me and, and like the same things I like. And I think that's really powerful. It's just sometimes in your, you know, you have different worlds. Yeah. I mean, video games are a dense and demanding medium in a way that film and music and nothing else is like you can walk into a movie theater and see a movie. Right. Um, and so that's always going to be a challenge for games. And they sort of fall back on. I think it's a little bit of a defensive attitude to be like, well, it actually makes more money than music. And I'm like, well, yeah, but like music is in the car whenever anyone is doing anything like it permeates the nation in the world in a way that like games don't and and frankly probably never will because they require your interaction your participation um mm -hmm. uh and so you know that's and that's never that's never going to change it's never going to go away but like like it just it is what it is like it doesn't need to you don't need to feel anything different about your hobby and your passion just because it it hits people in a different way than than other mediums do or that they interact with them in a different way I was surprised to hear that Chris's uh, fellow soldiers in the army might like look down on yeah. him for playing games. Maybe it's a stereotype, but like my vision of soldiers when they have downtime is playing a lot of video games. Uh, I reached out to a former uh, Air Forceman that I know, Seth Macy, the aforementioned yeah. Seth Macy. I ran this uh, question by him and he said, that's wild because when I was in, we all played PS2 and had no shame about it at all. There was a guy who built a custom box to fit on an aircraft so he could take his PS2 and CR2 with him <laughs> when he deployed. Uh, I just ignore people who scoff at my hobby because their hobby is usually drinking, driving around, or a combination of the two. Hopefully <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah, I think the um, it, we hear tons of stories about how like in their downtime, uh, that's how a lot of soldiers are spending it, um, and how there's like programs where they can get these kind of. Um, equipment essentially to make sure that they have leisure time that they can spend uh, even if they're like in the barracks I don't know a ton about um, you know that life so I'm gonna try not to get too much into detail with it but <laughs> regardless like we've read stories where that's clearly a resource for for people in that field um, so I'm surprised to hear that too it might just be that particular group I mean you know there will be people who just don't 
don't like to like my my brother hates one of my brothers hates TV shows. He just refuses to get involved in any of them. I have to trick him into watching them, if at all. So it's just it's not everybody's thing. And that you might find like a community where everyone agrees TV shows suck because you know, the argument is they always get bad by the end of it. So why am I investing all of my time in it? That's what that's what my brother's angle always is. So, you know, people have <laughs> their own reasons for shunning um, different pieces of, of media. Um, but I still think like, you know, Justin, you were talking about music. Um, and that sort of reminded me that when I finished The Last of Us 2, uh, it was right around when we were ready for dinner and I wanted to let the credits roll, like see if there was any post-credit scene or anything. And frankly, the music was kind of nice. And my brother and, and sister-in-law were commenting about that. And that, like there, there's music that's composed strictly for video games and you would otherwise never have access to them unless you looked them up or you played the game. So even on that side, um, sharing that around and having that be like just a music album rather than necessarily a game in its entire experience. There's just so many angles in to try to enjoy it. And I feel like there, there's a possibility to bring up something that resonates with someone, uh, even if overall they just don't want to sit down and play it at the end of the day. Good question, Chris. Yeah, good question. That brings us to Video Game 20 Questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Sean from Detroit-ish. Let, <laughs> let the questioning begin. Coming to ABC this fall, Detroit-ish. <laughs> Man, I, so I, I need to know philosophically, should we like really try to win this week or should we just do what we did last week? <laughs> oh, <is that laughs> boy, last week was a mess. I think <laughs> we, we should try uh, to win. I was okay, trying to win. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just uh, trying to goof. Yeah, well, it's always a mix, right? Um, okay. Uh, is this game... I don't, I don't even know. Uh, can you drive vehicles in this game? No. Okay. That was always tricky because it's like, what is a vehicle? What did we determine? Yeah. A horse no, I, was or wasn't a vehicle? <laughs> no, yeah. I forgot about the horse part of it. I was going to talk. I thought planes are like, could you drive a yeah, plane? plane. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no yeah, motorized just, vehicles. When yeah, I exactly. say vehicle, yeah. it's got to be, yeah. it's got to be combustion no. engine powered. <laughs> Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Or electric. Um, um, or electric. All right. Is this from after 2000? No. Okay. Uh, is this game from before 1990? No. 90s game. 90s game. Uh, does this game have 3D graphics? Yes. Okay. Is, is it a licensed game? No. That's five. Did this game release on the PlayStation 1? Yes. Yeah. Does it have sequels on contemporary PlayStation consoles? No. We're never going to get this. this. Game, was this game exclusive to the PlayStation 1? Yes. Whew. Uh, is, okay. it Jap- is it made, made in Japan? Yes. Is it an RPG? Is it, is it an RPG? No. That's 10. Was it made or developed by a Sony studio? No. So, okay. I mean, okay. PS1 exclusive. PS1 exclusive 3D game made in Japan, oh. but not by Sony. Is it in not the PS the PS Mini? Um, what a good question. Know. But I don't <laughs> know. While you were, you're, you're <laughs> not going to look it up. Okay. You want me to look it up? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's in the PS Mini. Yeah, Sam. Do you know what's in the PS Mini? Well, it will Quick, watch his hands. It what's Sam typing? <laughs> it w- it would have some level of popularity, right? Right. Yeah. I guess we could say, was it? Well, yeah, no, that's true. It would have had to have I, been like well-received and I can now answer. I can now answer your question. Is it in the okay. PS mini, the PlayStation classic? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. Did it get good scores? Didn't hear that, but saw that said, yes. Yeah, he said <laughs> yes, but, but we didn't hear it. So. Oh that. yes. That's it, okay. it was, it was well-received. So Man. I'm thrown off a little by the people did, must have it wasn't in that collection. Is this yeah. game is this game part of a series or franchise? Yes. But not on but not on con- current contemporary consoles. Yeah, yeah, that's what he said. What generate when did Metal Gear 5 come out? 
Could this be Metal Gear Solid? It, yeah. Yeah. Is this? Yeah, exactly. That was last generation. It could be. Was this? Did you, and you asked if it was Sony published, right? And it, the answer was no. Sony developed. Uh, I asked developed. Sony developed. And, no. okay, and the answer was no. That's obviously okay. Konami. Is, uh, yeah. is there stealth in this game? Oh yeah, that's fifteen. Oh yeah. <laughs> and in fact, it could also be. It could also be like Tenchu, though. Like we don't know yet. So like okay. I was trying to think of that. Yeah. Is this? Um, is this made by Konami? No. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, could Ooh. still be Tenchu. Is yes. this a? Is this an? Is this a oh, ninja also, game? Uh, is this a ninja game? Yes. Okay, so it's not uh, this. Well, so what's the? I I think we got it. We got Tenchu. But like, what's the? Um, si- oh man, I can't even think of the name of it. Anyway, it's probably Tenchu. I don't know anything about Tenchu. Take it, Justin. <laughs> anyway. Uh. Well. I'm trying. I just want to. I'm doing. I'm. I don't. What I'm doing. Whatever my version of the Mind Palace is. It's not the same as Sam's. <laughs> Get it in seventeen. Yeah. Just trying to think if there's any other ninja game. It could be. Oh, I oh. actually don't. Also, Damon typed uh, when he was typing. He typed about five letters. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The new hack. Six letters. Um, is this is this Tenchu? Yes, it is Tenchu. Nice. <laughs> not bad. Nice I'm actually job. really surprised. Good work. Good work, Justin. Yeah, seriously. Tia for getting the stealth part, too. Oh, my gosh. That was great. Well, it was the Konami Metal Gear lead. <laughs> Ten- yeah. Yeah. Stealth, with that. stealth Assassins. Yeah. It has stealth in the name. Yeah. Who made And there that? are Tenchu games, right? There's like uh, a Wii one or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, there are a lot of sequels, just not on, it, it's not on current gen consoles. Well, Damon, uh, I'm, I'm looking at this on Wikipedia. The publisher. I know. Activision is well, yeah, weird. Yeah. Oh. Whoa, yeah, public developed by Acquire, uh, okay. published by Activision. So maybe there's no clear rights to that series right now, or something like that. Activision, I don't know. Uh, well, Acquire, I think, I think... what's that, Justin? Acquire. I was just gonna, I'm just again, I'm just on Wikipedia. They pitched in on the development of Octopath Traveler. Cool. <laughs> they did a good job with that. Um, uh, yeah. When when before Activision revealed Sekiro, a lot of people were uh, hoping it would be a new Tenchu game. When there were like okay. the rumors. Okay, interesting. Very, because maybe they showed it to Katana or something like that. Yeah, I think it was a uh, Kunai. Uh, <laughs> I haven't. I, I liked Tenchu a lot when it came out, but I haven't played it since then. So it's probably probably pretty clunky today. I think even yeah. for like for a, a stealth game, the enemies won't notice dead bodies. You can just leave <laughs> dead bodies everywhere, and the enemies pay no mind to it. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Skyrim is from the current times, and you can shoot <laughs> someone in the face with an arrow, and as long as you hide for like fifteen seconds, you're good. So, I've killed know, everybody man. in a Mongol camp except for one person, and they see a body, and they're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" And they're like, well, "Back to guard duty." Yeah, yeah. I Especially know. if you have the charm that reduces the amount of time that they hunt for you by forty percent. I love when they call yeah. for their friends, but all their friends are dead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. They'll be like, huh? Oh, they'll like do like a little this? horn call or something, and then they're like, "Well, I guess everything's fine, though." Yeah. I mean, I'm up in this tower. It's not like I could see every <laughs> single person dead around me. His friend is dead. He says, "Oh, must be the wind." Yeah, um, yeah must be the wind. <laughs> Tenchu was uh, reviewed by Doug Perry on IGN, and it oh, got wow. nine out of ten. Yeah, nine. Um, this That's entire good. review is six paragraphs long, and there are bound to be some interesting typos in there for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, that's our show for this week. All the scoops that we have for you this week. Apologies for the uh, technical issues with our video this week. I know there's lots of hiccups. Not sure what the issue was. Hopefully, we get that sorted out for next week. Uh, remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Borba, working behind the scenes. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out. What about the outro song? <laughs> I'll yeah. have to learn that there, there is a goodbye song. Okay, I'll learn it for next week. There you go. Okay. Or you could just put everything yeah. in past tense. It was good to see you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs>
You've probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy. But how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were. And it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear. And each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com.